Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, September 5th, 2013. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are in the chapter, chapter 6, Into Action. And today we will be beginning at the bottom of page 73 with the sentence that reads, we must be entirely honest. The reference number for yesterday, which was Wednesday, September 4th, is 5088. That's 5088. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'd like to ask Diane G. to please read the 12 Steps. Good morning. This is Diane from New Hampshire. Can you hear me? can hear you great. Wonderful. Um, 12 Steps. One, we, were, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, when direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so, would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Diane. I'd now like to ask Sharon H. to please read the Twelve Traditions. All right, um, Laura, are you going to read that for us then? I am. Hi, good morning, Thank it's Laura. 
Recovered Compulsive Eater in South Jersey, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you so much, Laura. I appreciate your help. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we are going to resume our study of the big book. We are in Chapter 6, Into Action, and we are on page 73 of that chapter. At the very bottom of the page, we must be entirely honest with somebody, and we're going to start there this morning. Uh, For readers this morning, I have Katie, uh, Sharon R.S., Kathy K and Melanie. And so this morning we're going to start with Katie. Good morning. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. Those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must and, of course, will want to go to the properly appointed authority whose duty it is to receive it. Though we have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk with someone ordained by an established religion. We often find such a person quick to see and understand our problems. 
Of course, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. And <clears throat> I think they're trying to tell us here that, uh, you know, it's time to, once you've written all this stuff down, you have your four columns, you um, see the patterns, you see uh, that there is enough evidence to show that it wasn't everybody else's fault, that you had a part in all of this mayhem, um, that it's time to uh, to find someone to share that with. And of course, this was written in um, 1939 when, and written with the idea that people were going to be reading this book who did not have a meeting, who did not have um, a sponsor. They wrote this in such a way that you could do this without doing it the way that we do it now, in a way, um, where you have a sponsor and a sponsor has been, um, you know, with you all along to help you uh, do this. So I, I think it would be a bit odd to, um, to have a sponsor that you are not comfortable sharing your, your board stuff with. Um, that's just my uh, personal opinion. But, um, but this is giving you clear direction that if you don't have a sponsor, if you do, you know, we're, we're reaching people all over the place. So if you don't have a sponsor um, that you can share this with, then you can, you know, go to a religious body that has um, confession or another ordained person or your therapist or someone, and that is perfectly fine to share it with someone. The idea is to stop keeping it a secret. We are as sick as our secrets, I have heard, and you know, it's such a freeing feeling, as I have mentioned already this week, that once you have shared all those things, that you don't have to go back and do it again. And you know, I will say that the first time I did a four-step back in 1980, I think it was in early 82, I picked someone who um, I knew from my meeting, and when we got together at the appointed time, she said, okay, we've got 30 minutes because I have to get home and watch some TV show. And that just sort of took the wind out of my sails, and I felt so like I was, um, you know, a pain to her. And uh, that was not a good experience. And so I did, you know, have to rewrite the whole thing and do it again later. Um, but, you know, we are being instructed here to pick someone who we trust, who we know uh, with our secrets, and, you know, um, who we know will not, you know, tell someone or, or laugh at us or, you know, be shocked. and. You know, that's the, the great news is that I, I have never had that experience other than this person, but she still didn't laugh at what I said. She just um, was not free with her time. So anyway, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Barbara? Kim, go ahead. Go ahead, Barbara, and then Kim. Thank you. This is Barbara. I'm a compulsive overeater. And... Um, it's a wonderful message to me. What I hear very strongly from this is that the person I do my fifth step with has to understand alcoholism. It says at the end of the reading that, um, you know, must understand alcoholics. 
because I can choose a person uh, easily, a sponsor understands, an understanding OA member. I've also taken a fifth step with religious people. Um, I do a, a version of it, you know, with a therapist. But the essence of it for me is that don't forget this is a spiritually based program, and that's what I hear very strongly in this um, in this directive that it is a spiritually based program even though I have to know that the person with whom I'm dealing and taking this inventory knows that it's a physical disease, a physical sickness, it's an emotional sickness, and it's a spiritual sickness. And uh, very often um, that spiritual aspect is overlooked. And I think that for me the direction I hear is that don't forget this is spiritually based. And so the solution as well as being physical to meet the physical sickness emotional in um, looking at the self and the inventory which could easily be done with a therapist a professional counselor but don't forget the spiritual angle and if you don't have um, a sponsor who is necessarily strong spiritually i hear the reminder go to a person that is attached to some religious practices because they're hoping that person will be spiritual but i have also had the experience that a a person connected with religion may not understand alcoholism. Everyone doesn't. So um, I'm very thankful for the reminder that the person needs to have a total comprehension of the the sickness in all its aspects. Pass. Thank you, Barbara. And go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. We always find such a person quick to see and understand our problems. Of course, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. So, you know, when this was written in 1939 and we had these 100 recovered people, you know, Dr. Silkworth talks about the fact that this book was written in such masterly detail because their hope was that when someone called New York from Kentucky, from California, from Oregon, that they would be able to have this book mailed to them and have access to no recovered people. But the, the, the um, instructions were so detailed that you could recover without access to recovered people. So that's one of the reasons this, this part is written, because they're assuming that you don't have access to anybody. Thank you, God, today that that is not our reality. Today we have access to recovered people. We have access to people who understand alcoholics. We have access to people who have been through this process before and that can lead us through this. So when we were told in the page prior that a solitary self-appraisal is insufficient, I was also use that analogy of when you sell your house. You know, when you sell your house, if, you have, if you're the one who decides what to sell it for, you're going to overvalue it because of all the sentimentality. So what do you do? You get someone to appraise the home. And do you just pick anyone willy-nilly? Do you pick your best friend or just your next-door neighbor? No, you pick someone who this is their profession. This is what they do. Someone who has knowledge of of how homes are built. Someone who has knowledge of the neighborhood. Someone who has knowledge of the market. So that is what we're looking for. When we're looking for someone to do our fifth step to, We have access to recovered people who have been through this process, who understand the resentment list, who understand the fear list, who understand the sex conduct list, 
and they had an objectivity about it because they've been there. They've done that. That was the true joy when I gave my fifth step. The neutrality, the non-judgment, the objectivity that someone could look at in my fourth step helped me establish those, those um, patterns. Helped me to, to once again see it was a self-imposed crisis and where that fifth step would lead me into six and seven and eight and nine and ten and eleven and twelve. So wonderfully known, we knew we do have to find someone understanding. We do have to find someone that's understanding alcoholics. But thank you, God, today, most of us do not have to go to someone outside of a 12-step program because today we have access to recovered people that they did not think people would have access to when they wrote this in 1939. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sally in South Jersey. Go ahead, Sally. Thank you, Janice. It's Sally, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in South Jersey. I'd like to speak to the sentence on top of 74. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. Um, A couple of things stand out to me. One is that we are not given too many choices. In fact, we're often um, told to uh, follow directions, simple directions. Um, we're, we're told on page 12 that we can choose a God of our own understanding. Uh, we're told on uh, the bottom of page 25 where we're, often, we're offered the door number one and the door number two. Uh, we have two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. And so, you know, we're, we're led to a place where we are, again, being talked to about choosing a God of our own conception. But here at the top of the page, we're told that we are going to choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. So now we're actually going to a place where we're going to trust someone. It was hard enough to trust God in the beginning, and now we're asked to choose someone that we're going to trust to share intimate and confidential things with. And that's what this step requires. You know, there's, there's funny signs, you know, we've seen, all of us have seen the sign that says, we'll be best friends forever because you, you already know too much. And um, I thought of that when I read this line. Um, and uh, I just have to say that we are so blessed to be in such a fellowship. On um, the bottom of page 152 puts it so beautifully. It says, you are going to meet these new friends in your own community. It goes on to say, High and low, rich and poor, these are future fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. Among them, you will make lifelong friends. You will be bound to them with new and wonderful ties, for you will escape disaster together, and you will commence shoulder to shoulder your common journey. Then you will know what it means to give of yourself that others may survive and rediscover life. You will learn the full meaning of love thy neighbor as thyself. And so this uh, this. This sentence, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. We, we are in a place where we are we're making a decision that we're going to trust another human being and we do need to pick someone that we, we feel that they have something that we want, that they have um, some type of 
leadership skills that lead us to believe that we can, that they can lead us to the recovered place that we want to become, that we want to reach. And um, I think what's really interesting, too, is that it's an opportunity for us to grow because we will turn around and be that person for someone else that somebody else can turn to and trust. And um, there's so much more we can all say about this, but I'll end with that. And Thanks for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. And I'd like to comment on this wonderful paragraph. You know, it starts us out, we must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. You know, we're at this point in our process of the steps here where they're looking with us at what do we do with this inventory that we've taken of ourselves? What do we do with all of this information that we've poured out, you know, in the in the best way possible and with perhaps the help of a recovered sponsor and perhaps not? You know, perhaps we have listed all of these things about ourselves, all of these places where we've been selfish and inconsiderate, where we've been in the bondage of self, and now it's all written out. And it says we have to share that with someone, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human, and to another human. Because what's the aim and the goal and the objective here? It's to trust God and clean house and then be able to help others. And I don't know about you, but I spent so much of my life compartmentalizing everything. You know, I'd only look at bits and pieces and parts and never the big picture, never the whole picture. And here was going to be an opportunity to do just that, to look at everything in its entirety, in its entirety. And so if I'm going to share that whole thing with someone, with another human being, then I I want to make sure that the person that I'm sharing it with is someone that I can trust. I have to take that leap of faith, perhaps, with someone I can trust. But it says we choose the person carefully. We think well before we choose. Because what's the, what's the whole deal here? I want to heal spiritually. I have this spiritual malady, and this is going to be the process of a spiritual healing And so telling all of this stuff about myself, sharing it all with someone, looking at the very nature of my personality and where my twisted, faulty thinking was, that person might very well be someone with a religious connection. Perhaps I have a religious faith, a religious practice, where that's part of that spiritual healing and that practice. And so there may be someone... You know, I'm reminded that here here in uh, Minneapolis, we have a place called 2218. And it, it's an old house that was the beginnings of AA's gatherings. And across the street from there happened to be a church. And that minister at that church loved alcoholics. Loved alcoholics. And he ended up hearing over 5,000, some over that amount, of fifth steps. And he was not an alcoholic himself, but he loved alcoholics. And he was one of those people well-versed in the 12 steps. 
and wanted to help people. So, you know, he people began to refer other people to him. Now, there were sponsors available, but here was someone who understood the process and understood what we were trying to do. And I think that's what they're wanting us to see. You know, someone who is quick to see and understand our problem. We often find such a person. But, of course, sometimes we encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. And then perhaps our best person is our sponsor or is someone in the fellowship who's recovered and who knows what we're trying to do. But I love that that the first 100 recovered alcoholics who wrote this book are telling us there there may be things that you have to look at here when you choose the person who is going to hear your fifth step. And so we choose well and we choose carefully because what we want to do is continue that process of spiritual healing. And I think we are, to this day, so blessed with this process. And with that, I will pass. Does anyone else want to share on this paragraph before we move on? Nancy? Go ahead, Nancy. Hi, thank you, Janice. This is Nancy, compulsive overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. And I, this is an important paragraph for me, and I have a little bit of experience. I've, I mean, I've, like most of us, probably done many different four steps, but I like that the big book tells us we have a choice here again. And I loved how Sally brought out we have choices several different times in the book, and this is another one of them. And I can think of a couple of reasons, at least for me, why I would have been hesitant to do it with a sponsor. And now, with that being said, I have always done mine with a sponsor. But the very first fourth step I did, I did with my sponsor. And it was actually, I work as a court reporter, I work in the legal system, and this was actually one of the attorneys who had been in AA for years at the time when I did my first fourth step. And... um, I asked her to be my sponsor, and and it was okay. It just really wasn't a good one. But anyway, my point is when she heard my fourth step, the first thing she did was laugh. And I looked at her and I said, did you think that was funny? And she said, no, I'm just laughing at the way you've chosen to live your life. I was mortified. I had just spilled my guts to not just my sponsor to about things that I had never ever told another human being before. A couple of things that were illegal way back when, but luckily I was 18 and I was now 30 something, so it wasn't going to be an issue. But my point being, that would be a reason why maybe down the road when I did future four steps, I may be hesitant to share with another sponsor whether I felt like I had a level of trust with them or not. When you have that first experience, so if you've had a bad experience, you know, the big book's telling us it doesn't have to be a certain person. It can be somebody you trust. It has to be somebody you trust. And, um, you know, luckily after that, I've had many very loving sponsors who, you know, before we even began they shared with me a couple of the things that were on their four steps, which let me at ease and helped me to feel like I am not the only person that has these kinds of things in my background. Um, You know, the other thing I thought about is there was one time that I got a new sponsor. My sponsor had left the program, and so I got a new sponsor right when I was at step four. And so here I was ready to do, you know, to give away my four step, and I had a brand new sponsor well, that would be a reason. It gave me pause, you know. I went ahead and talked to her about my fears and 
how I felt, and um, we were able to talk through that, and I was put at ease, and I felt comfortable going ahead and, excuse me, and proceeding. So there was, you know, there are reasons why you might be hesitant to do it with your sponsor. So I'm so grateful that the big book's telling us, you know, they're not telling us who to do it with. They're just giving us some parameters around who that person should be. Um, and I really appreciate all the shares that I've heard about this so far because I think it's a really important step. And um, I'm glad that we have the direction and the parameters that we have in the big book. Thank you for that, and I will pass. Thank you, Nancy. Well, let's move on to the next paragraph. And Kathy Kay, could you read that for us? Yes, thank you, Janice. Uh, this is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. If we cannot or would rather not do this, we search our acquaintance for a closed-mouth, understanding friend. Perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be the person. It may be one of our own family, but we cannot disclose anything to our wives or our parents which will hurt them and make them unhappy. We have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. Such parts of our story will we tell to someone who will understand yet be unaffected. The rule is we must be hard on ourselves, but always considerate of others. And um, this is Kathy, and I'm very grateful to be here today. Um, I'm uh, looking at this sentence. Um, we have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. I remember when I was writing my fourth step, I had... Um, so many insights and new awarenesses um, that I was uh, wanting to share with some of the people on my list who I had written turnarounds on. And um, my big book sponsor at the time uh, reminded me that right now what was most important was doing the inventory and not sharing the inventory. Um, and similarly, uh, when I finally got to share it, um, uh, the importance of sharing it with someone um, who would not be affected by what I had to say. Um, and it required a lot of uh, discipline on my part. Um, I think uh, the the work itself caused me both um, relief and also a lot of pain, bringing up memories, um, recognizing my part in so many things which I never realized before I did the writing. Um, and so um, this idea of finding someone um, who would be appropriate and not affected by um, what we shared with is just so important. And I have to say, I didn't realize it until we read these paragraphs today, that my sponsor, um, in the way she guided me through the fourth step, she demonstrated during that long period of time, because it took me a long time to complete the writing, um, how trustworthy she really was. So by the time I sat down to give away my fourth step, um, 
lot of acceptance and a lot of trust with her. So for those of us who have the opportunity to give away our fourth step to the same person who has guided us through the process, it's really uh, a very special gift. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Kathy. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Marcella, Go ahead. Um, my name is Marcella. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Boston. Um, so um, I have the experience of trying to give away my uh, fourth step to um, psychologists. And then uh, we got trapped into um, talking about other people as opposed to talk to me because she didn't have any experience in the, in, in the fourth step. So um, it was a year after the fact. I thought that I was giving away my first step. I know I was just digging into my own personal problems, so that didn't work for me. Then I talk about uh, my first step to a religious person, and she was very kind and very uh, gentle, but she directed me to ask forgiveness from God. And um, then finally I found a sponsor who um, took my whole uh, fourth step, and, and this person had a lot of experience in the process, and to me it was so wonderful because when we talk about our inventory, um, that this book is very explicit. It is not a punitive, accusatory um, uh, tone um, when we say that we're selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and fearful. It is a diagnosis. It is a diagnosis with a wonderful prognosis and a very clear treatment that doesn't end in the fourth step. It keeps going on the tenth when we continue to make personal inventory. So having somebody who knows my pattern and my default and my MO and knows how I always react to the same triggers in the same way and knows how to direct me to look <clears throat> at the same resentment and the customers in an entirely different angle the way that we do in the toaster, it, it, has, it has proven to be a wonderful guide if um, I'm planning to keep, to live the rest of my life in this way, which I am. And um, the last thing that I would say is that not only because you do a fourth and a fifth, that means that you cannot try again. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, this is Janice again, a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. And uh, thank you very much for, for sharing on that because what, what I have come to uh, see in, the, in these instructions that they're giving us here in the big book is that what are, uh, what are our options? What are our options? Because when we are willing, there's no stopping us. When we are willing, there is no stopping us. Because what we want is what's promised here, is we're going to have that spiritual healing if we stay in this process. And all of the options that we have, if, if someone is not available to us, what are other options? We don't let it stop us. We are given clear-cut directions here 
that we keep moving forward. We keep moving forward. We choose carefully the person we're going to share this with, but we keep moving forward. No excuses, no reasons to stop here. Because I don't know about you, but doing that fifth step was a very big step out into the open. Out into the open. You know, showing myself, revealing myself, being very vulnerable with someone because it was going to be the process of spiritual healing. You know, it was going, without seeing the wholeness of myself, how, did, how could I ever expect to get to that wholehearted and open-hearted place? And that's what was going to be revealed here, my willingness to stay in the process, my willingness to find that person, even if it was a closed-mouthed friend, even if it ended up having to be a family member. But it warns us carefully. You know, remember, this came out of their own experience. So my guess is someone probably had that experience, enough to want to put it down in this paragraph, that we have to be hard on ourselves, but considerate of others considerate of others. So if we do end up having to choose a a family member in order to stay in the process and move forward, that we're careful about who that might be. Not someone that we would hurt by sharing this information. But there may be someone, if if all other options are unavailable to us, but there may be a way always to keep moving forward in the process. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Lois. Go ahead, Lois. Hi, good morning, Janice. This is Lois, recovered in Massachusetts. And um, I wanted to share my experience about, I'm glad you brought that up, about a smooth um, a smooth journey through the fourth and the fifth. But for me, I, well, about three or four years ago, actually, I, I, uh, I was in a position in my disease, of course, where, you know, I, I had no hope and I, I was searching for hope in recovery, and then somebody recommended a certain uh, program to me, and I called, and I, it, was a, it was a big book step study, and, um, and I, it was the first time I heard, you know, heard about the big book way of, of recovering, and I was, it, was, it was the beginning of a, a new, you know, hope for me again. So I, you know, I, I eagerly started this process, and I got a sponsor in this program, and um, I, I went through one and two and three and four. And in the middle of four, before I could finish it or go over it with a recovered sponsor and do the fifth, um, my spon- something happened to my sponsor. You know, I, I, it was very confusing. It was never just mentioned directly. What I don't know what happened to this person. And then I got another person, and then that person wasn't, I guess she wasn't very solid, solid in her own recovery. And so I kind of drifted around, you know, in that program. And, um, but it, it did, like you mentioned to it, it whetted my, my appetite. I, I, I thought, I felt, and I heard about this big book step study, this big book way of, you know, working the steps and becoming, you know, recovered and, and wanting to finish this. And, um, and I, I got thrown off. I mean, I, I don't really recall exactly what I floundered for a long time. I I, I relapsed in between. You know, I 
I mean, I, I did relapse. I picked up the food in between again, and then I, I got abstinent again, and I was kind of working on my own. And then I, I called another person, and I, I, you know, explained my history to this other sponsor, and um, and she she agreed to sponsor me, and um, and I, I I continued my recovery with this sponsor, even though at the time, you know, so many. So so much had gone by that she didn't really have a good sense of my fourth step and didn't really think that you know I needed to go through this again with her and um and I I just I went that way and then I I you know I continued working the steps the sixth the seventh the eighth and the ninth and and I became you know I became deeper into my recovery but i just want to explain that because it wasn't it wasn't um it was a very broken up recovery path for me that um i began to um experience a, a spiritual experience by applying these steps with my new sponsor you know all over and over again and i as as i shared as the as as things happened for me in my recovery I was able to share a lot of the stuff that needed to be said with this person or with other people on the line and and um and i I feel you know that I was able to complete these steps in a very deep way as time went by, so I wasn't able to do it all in one shot but um i but it did happen for me, and I'm very comfortable in my feeling and saying and claiming that I am a recovered compulsive overeater today. And, um, you know, if, if it doesn't work perfectly for you, you know, hopefully that you won't give up, you know, that you'll keep trying. And for me, you know, it, it lit my, 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 my thirst for recovery. And um, I'm hoping that, you know, if you're on this line, that you will experience that thirst for recovery too and keep coming and keep trying. And with that, I'll pass, Janice. Thank you, Lois. Well, let's move on to the next paragraph. And um, I heard Sharon R.S. Are you there, Sharon? Could you read the next paragraph? Yes, this is Sharon. Morning, Sharon. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, all on the line here. I'm Sharon, recovered compulsive overeater. Grateful to be here. Notwithstanding the great necessity of discussing ourselves with someone, it may be one is so situated that there is no suitable person available. If that is so, this step may be postponed it only, however, if we hold ourselves in complete readiness to go through with it at the first opportunity. We say this because we are very anxious that we talk to the right person. It is important that he be able to keep a confidence that he be fully that he fully understand and approve what we are driving at that he will not try to change our plan but we must not use this as a mere excuse to postpone so what uh again it's it's good to have this paragraph read in context, particularly historical context, and when we look at the 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 time when the book was written, 
being sent out to people that maybe didn't have a community, a recovery community that they were involved in being written with the intent that anyone would be able to pick this book up, read it, and find recovery. And so it was just, stra- it, it, the the authors were being very, very careful with this step so that the the person giving the fourth step, giving away their fifth step, would not be discouraged and run away from the process and and miss out on the recovery that they would get. And so he he wanted to just say be be ever so careful who you give it to. It's it's really critical that you give it to the right person. And because these are deep strongly held secrets, some of them are just you we are attack our our fears uh, that we have that um, is are maybe unreasonable with respect to to what we've written on our fourth step. Maybe it's when someone else hears it, they will think, "Well, I've done that many, many times myself." And and most of the things that are on our fourth step are human errors or things that everyone does, and that doesn't make it right, but it's not unusual. It's not something that we need to be afraid to share. But there are some things that are going to be on there. There could be some things that we have to be very, very careful about who whom we share that with. And so we're being cautioned here to that if we don't have the right person to share it with, then it's something that we can hold off sharing until that right time. Now, that does not mean that you don't share the ordinary things, like I stole a candy bar, or I lied to my teacher, or I uh, did some other uh, things that we know almost every kid does and every adolescent and every young adult, those things we need to go ahead and share those with someone. And I want to just, in support of that, go back to the previous paragraph where it says, such parts of our story we tell to someone who will understand. So it's indicating there that we look through our inventory And there are some things that we know are just, you know, they're not right. We need to, they're morally not right. We need to clear them up. And and we could share those with our minister at the church or with a nun or with a priest or with a psychologist or with a family member. There were some things I was very comfortable talking to my husband about, and he was very understanding about those things. And that worked out just fine. And there were some things that I could share with a friend. And that was just fine. Although I gave my full story, my four step completely to my sponsor. Um, but in, in times past, there has been parts, because I've been in program for some years, there have been things that have come up. And I have 
and and I've done a mini four step and shared those right right there with with someone right then quickly with someone so that I could get that out. So if you have a full four step and you are in a situation where you have a biggie, a real biggie that you feel that you did, you committed, and you want to be very, very careful about that, then it's okay to wait until you get that right person. But the rest of your four step, make sure that you get that out as soon as possible. Get that fifth step done as completely as possible. Just holding back that one thing that you need to find the exact person to that you need to talk to. And I just want to make sure, I just want to say one other thing, and that is that when we're doing our fourth step, our fifth step, it is important, one of the very important things that we have to do is is to just make sure that we're not hurting someone else when we give it. We want to make sure that we're comfortable, that um, that we talk to the right person, that they're able to keep our confidence, that there's someone that will that will understand and and know why we're doing this and the importance of doing this. Uh, someone who won't change our plans with respect to doing this step or any of the the um, the following steps, and um, but we also want to make sure that it's it's along with those things. We want to make sure that whoever we're talking to is someone that will not get hurt or offended or be put out by what we say. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, everyone, again. It says here, but we must not use this as a mere excuse to postpone. So I can see us all looking for the loopholes. Up until I find that perfect person, I can keep this all to myself. So why is that dangerous? Why can we not postpone it? We were told back on page 72 why that is. It says we will be more reconciled to discuss ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do do so. The best reason first. If we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. So that is why we do not want to postpone or evade this. And once again, this is written in the context of the 1930s when they are assuming there are no recovered people around. So I just want to give you some context of my experience in OA. You know, this was the only way that somebody could recover because there were no other options. Unfortunately, I think in the, in the age that we're in now, there are many watered-down options of the steps. There are many ways to do the four-step. There's a 200-question thing, and there's outside materials, and there's workbooks, and there's self-analysis, and there's all these different ways. So look at the results. Look at the results. When I looked around my meetings, I was lucky if there were two or three people absent in a room of 30 people. And everyone was telling me, use this workbook, use that workbook. But the people I saw who had permanent recovery, permanent freedom from this disease, did the clear-cut directions that were in this big book. So I needed to run through, run to the people that had the results I wanted to have that spiritual experience. 
So I wasn't going to postpone or evade this. I was going to people that had a spiritual experience. I was going to people that had long-term permanent recovery and tried to wade through all the different ways that people did four steps, all the different ways. And the way I like to think about it, you know, if I want to visit some of our fellows in Israel, since we have many girls in Israel in our line, and I'm going to, I'm going to go to Philadelphia Airport and I'm going to take a plane. Now, I guess I could go to the Jersey Shore and maybe take a cruise ship across there. Or maybe I could even try to rent a small boat or maybe I could even try to take a canoe. Or as that woman did from Cuba to Florida, and she swam the 90 miles from Cuba to Florida in shark-infested waters. But which way do I want to take? Do I want to take the, the way that, that a lot of people don't make it? A lot of people are confused. It's taking a long time, years, and they're still struggling. Or do I want to take the most direct route? I'm going to take a plane to visit my fellows in Israel because that is the most direct route. I am going to use the big book and therefore I'm going to utilize someone from my fifth step who is familiar with this process so that I am not watering down this fourth step, which is unfortunately what a lot of us do in OA. So I just encourage everyone, don't use this as an excuse to say I need to find that perfect person, but to reach out to someone who's familiar with this big book method Take that chance. Let them lead you through this fifth step so that you could too get on the shores of recovery and be happy, joyous, and free. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Well, this is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. I just want to point out something in this paragraph that, that is, was very meaningful for me. No matter who it is, that we choose. And thank you, Kim, for pointing that out. It is no excuses to postpone. You know, no excuses. And I don't know about you, but I couldn't bear, I couldn't bear to not do this. You know, once it's all laid out there, we're in a race against time. We're in a race against time. It is indeed, once again, like holding your breath underwater. You cannot wait to do this and expect to stay abstinent and to move forward in recovery. So no excuses to postpone. But what this paragraph does point out to me is the qualities that we're looking for in a fifth-step listener. What are those qualities? It is important that he be able to keep a confidence, that he fully understand and approve what we are driving at, and that he will not try to change our plan. You know, those three things are very important in a a fifth-step listener, whether they be a recovered sponsor, whether they be a psychologist, a doctor, whether it be a minister, a priest, a rabbi, whoever it is, you know, preferably, I believe, it is wonderful to find someone else in this process, in this recovery process themselves recovered because they fit the qualities of all three of these things. You know, those, those of us who practice anonymity are able to keep a confidence. Those of us that fully understand and approve what what you are trying to do are the ones who are going to be supporting and encouraging you because we're in the lifeboat with you. And finally, that we will not try to change your plan because we know the process and we know what's beautiful is standing in the sunlight of the spirit. 
and being unblocked from all of these things we have been hanging on to that the fifth step shows in its entirety. And with that, I'll pass. Well, we're at the end of our time today, so thank you for everybody. Thank you for everybody who helped today, to Diane, G, and to Laura for the steps and traditions, and for Katie and Sharon and Kathy Kay for being our readers this morning, and for Melanie being our techie person to get us all started this morning. Thanks so much, and for all the people who shared. And Melanie, would you be able to read um, the... the um, uh, the closing reading from the big book on page 164. I am. Thank you, Janice. Hello, everyone. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Oregon. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. He shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as we trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.